When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Auburn Live podcast, your home for bold, insightful, and honest conversations around Auburn athletics. Where you go? Hey, before we get going, let's give a quick shout out to our partners here at Auburn Live and the Auburn Live show. First of all, Southeastern, great bar in downtown Auburn, fantastic two-story building, beautiful place. Uh, great lounge upstairs, tons of TVs, outdoor seating area, some finger foods and stuff like that as well. Awesome location in downtown Auburn. Go visit Southeastern. Great game day experience, uh, weekend experience. Um, just go check them out, Southeastern, on Magnolia. Other partner, the Irritable Bow Restaurant, also on Magnolia, on the other side uh, of the street in downtown downtown Auburn, down, down Magnolia. Go check them out. Really good Chinese bao uh, food, uh, sh- shrimp, shrimp rolls and, and steak, steak and, and, and chicken uh, skewers and um, rice bowls and just a bunch of bunch of good stuff. man. if you've never had Chinese bao, it's really, really good. Shout out to our friend Whitley Dykes. Um, they get you in and out really quickly. So if you ever see a line, don't worry. It moves quickly. Go check out the Irritable Bao restaurant downtown Auburn and uh, tell them Auburn Live sent you. All right, let's go. And welcome into another Auburn Live show. I am Justin Hokinson. We'll get to our guest in just a minute. Appreciate everybody joining us on this Wednesday morning. Um, Wednesday morning hump day. Hope everybody has is having a good week. Hey, we're, we're, we're going to talk a little bit football today. We're going to talk a little bit basketball today because we had some breaking news in basketball that Auburn Live actually broke on Tuesday um, afternoon. So we're going to talk about that a little bit too. Um, glad to welcome in our guest. He is a um, basketball um, expert when it comes to Auburn basketball. He's, a, he's an Auburn basketball analyst for AuburnLive.com. And it's the first time he's been on the podcast and we're glad he is, uh, is joining us, man. Jay Phillips. Jay, what's up? Hey, Justin. How's it going, man? Thanks for having me. Absolutely, dude. Hey, so we're glad to have you on board at Auburn Live, um, contributing to some basketball. So, so for those that don't know, Jay Jay's going to be doing, um, you know, some some commit analysis, some roster analysis, some game analysis. He he just he's watched Auburn basketball a long time. He's been around the sport. He's worked in athletic department, so um, he can provide kind of that analysis. Um, that that uh, that you're looking for. So he's going to be involved in, in in sort of breaking down film on on kids and what they do well and what they don't do well and, and commits and then after games as well and things that Auburn did well or didn't do well from game to game. But Jay, just kind of I guess introduce yourself a little bit and talk about your basketball background and what got you into Auburn basketball and what you like about you know what Pearl's got going on and, and all that good stuff. I've been a Auburn basketball fan for as long as I can remember, honestly. Uh, you know, went to the NIT games, you know, grew up going to games and grew up watching them on TV, grew up in Florida. So wasn't always in the arena and stuff like that, but my whole family's Auburn fans. So I had no choice. 
And uh, basketball was always my favorite sport growing up. So it was just an obvious pairing. Even in the bad years, I kept up with the team, looked for the silver linings and all of that kind of stuff. And once things, you know, I always stayed interested in basketball. Like you said, I worked in athletic departments for basketball teams, covering basketball teams for newspapers and stuff like that. And once Auburn basketball started getting good, I had a Twitter account that I'd been tweeting on for a couple of years already. And it just really started taking off uh, when the team started winning a bunch of games and, and gave me a little bit of a platform to keep it going on. So that's really what got me into it. And uh, just through the years, it's been a fun experience because I love the style of play. I love the fast paced transition offense, the three pointers, the disruptive defenses. It's just been a blast to watch Bruce Pearl coach that team up. And I've always loved the, you know, uh, checking out high school highlights and stuff like that and seeing these pro basketball players basically play against a bunch of kids way under them. And now Auburn's recruiting that well too. So it's just been, there's no way I can get out of it, you know? Oh, absolutely, man. Well, we're glad to have you. I'm glad you're a part of Auburn live. Um, what we try to do at Auburn live is, you know, obviously bring, bring news and report, but we really want to, to kind of analyze things and bring context to things and tell people sort of what it means and why. And that's kind of our, our goal is, is to go beyond just giving you news. We, we want to talk to you about why it matters and, and, and that kind of stuff. So you, so you can have that further context and analysis um, on that stuff. So that's what Jay brings and, and he'll, he'll be a, a fun follow um, when it comes to basketball and the message board and in terms of analysis on, on the site. Um, we'll get to some basketball here in just a minute, just real quick. Um, nothing, you know, Auburn practiced on Tuesday. We talked to Demetrius Robertson, um, who talked a little bit about why he came to Auburn, um, from Georgia. Um, he talked about opportunities and wanting to capitalize on opportunities he had, but he also talked really, really highly of, of coach Harson. Um, he said that coach Harson's values align with his and he's a great coach. Um, and he says Coach Harson has is a really passionate guy, and that comes through. And so, sound like sound like Brian Harson really did a good job of recruiting Demetrius Robertson, and that that was a big part of his decision to come to Auburn um, for Robertson, who caught three passes against Akron. Um, the other noteworthy thing Demetrius Robertson said was he thought that this wide receiver group was going to shock a lot of people as the season goes on. Um, we will see. It's a very unproven group. You know, Shedrick Jackson had a decent game. Kobe Hudson had a decent game. A lot of unproven guys. We'll see what they're capable of once we get into the SEC, Penn State and the SEC, in terms of can they match up against SEC corners? Can they create separation? Can they make tough catches? Like, that's a whole different ballgame. Uh, it's going to be a whole different ballgame for Bo Nix as well, throwing against SEC corners. So still a lot to be determined there, but um, he did talk about the, the wide out group being able to, to shock a, a lot of people. So we'll see if that's just kind of optimism on, on his part or if this receiving core really has good things in store. So that's the only player that we talked to on Tuesday. We'll talk to some more players on Wednesday as Auburn prepares for Alabama State. Um, so football-wise, not a whole lot going on. I guess the other, I mean, sort of semi-news, interesting note from, from, from Jeffrey Lee you might have noticed that Auburn ran out with Derek Hall holding the American flag banner and uh, American flag and, and Sean Shivers carrying an Auburn flag that said WDE on it, which was new. Um, and so Jeffrey reported on our site that that's actually going to become uh, a normal thing. Um, he says two players will carry the flags every game. The American flag, somebody will be selected for a, a 
for being a unifying force that represents Auburn's highest standards and ideals. And the, pl the player carrying the Auburn flag will represent what it means to be an Auburn Tiger. So that's a kind of cool tradition that, that Brian Harson started. He did it at Boise. Um, he did it at Boise State. And so he's, he's bringing it over. And it, it's kind of cool. I mean, you have the Auburn flag and the American flag, and it's, it's going to be an honor to carry one of those two out and you have to earn it. So kind of a cool, kind of a cool tradition that uh, they're going to have going on. Jeffrey Lee reported that that's going to become um, a normal normal thing for the football team. Um, so I kind of enjoyed that, I guess, unless you're some beat writers that they didn't enjoy that for some reason. Um, so odd. <clears throat> never, never, never in my life. I thought the American flag would, would be such a, uh, oh, such a lightning rod. I mean, it's just the American flag. It just represents the States and the country. I mean, it's not, it's not, um, I don't know, I guess symbols and flags, everybody, they represent something different for everybody. Um, but golly, man, the American flag is a pretty simple one. I don't know. Um, but anyway, we won't get into that. Um, so anyway, that's kind of it on football news. Auburn continues to practice as they get ready for Alabama State on Saturday morning at 11 a.m. on ESPN. Uh, and we'll have more coverage of football throughout the week. All right, Jay. Hey, do you, you – so, Jay, you're a basketball guy. Do you follow football a little bit too? Like what are your impressions on uh, – uh, you're more basketball than football, whereas most people are probably more football than, and then they sort of keep basketball on the periphery. What's, what's been your impressions of, of football and Brian Harson so far? Yeah, I definitely don't claim to be an expert in football or anything like that, but I have covered football as for a living and stuff like that to an extent. So I know what I'm talking about and I've enjoyed Brian Harson. It's been a nice refresher from the Gus Malzahn era. And I think, uh, I think you tweeted something about it earlier today that, Gus really did leave a good foundation for Harson to build off of. And, you know, I don't have any ill will towards Gus Malzahn or anything. Like I know some Auburn fans do at times, but um, I do think that he has brought some, his style of coaching, you know, just the toughness and all that kind of stuff has been nice to see compared to the style we saw the past few years that was kind of, uh, cute at times and stuff like that. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be interesting to watch how he develops um, his, his teams. There's a lot to like so far. There's a lot to like so far, but, you know, I mean, results are the only thing that matters. And, and, and you know, there's a lot of things that go into that. There's talent, there's luck, there's, um, you know, there's a lot of things that, that go into that. But ultimately, you know, the coaches with the best process and the, and the most consistency, that, that will win out ultimately. And so I think Brian Harson's got a lot of good things going for him. All right, Jay, let's talk some basketball. Um, we, t we broke the news at AuburnLive.com on Tuesday afternoon that Auburn guard Alan Flanagan uh, will be out 12 to 14 weeks after suffering an Achilles injury. It's on his right leg, um, an Achilles injury. Uh, it happened uh, on a scooter. It was a scooter accident in August, probably, gosh, I don't know, probably three weeks ago. Um, scooter accident. He, he uh, you know, at first, I don't think they thought it was going to be anything crazy. Uh, they weren't overly concerned right when it happened, but, but then I think concern grew. And um, he had surgery on his right Achilles on September 3rd. And he's going to be out 12 to 14 weeks. So obviously that puts you all of September, all of October, and really all of November, um, potentially. 
um, really all of November. So Alan Flanagan, um, let's just kind of talk about him a little bit. Obviously last year he jumps up to 14 points per game, incredible 11 point per game jump, um, became a pretty decent three point shooter last year. And a really good defender. His athletic ability showed. He's 14 and five last year. He just became a really good all around player for Auburn. And coming back, even with Jabari and Smith and Walker Kessler, Alan Flanagan was probably still looked at as your best player and, and you know, maybe your most important player for, for a lot of reasons. Um, I guess, Jay, just talk about what Alan Flanagan brings to this team and, and, <clears throat> you know, what, what is Auburn missing in, in your eyes with, without him? Cause that, I don't see another player like him on the roster. I think there's, there's, there's versatility on the roster. If Wendell went down, you could put Zeph at point guard or you could put K, KD at point guard. There's not another guy like Alan Flanagan that, that's that long physical that can score in the paint that can defend. I mean, he, there's not another one of him. So um, what, just what's your take, I guess, on what, what he brings and, um, and missing him, let's just start with missing him. How, how bad is that for, for Auburn? Because they'll miss him. You know, you're looking at non-conference, um, which means which stinks because that's the battle for Atlantis, which, you know, Auburn has a great opportunity to play. They're playing UConn, who probably will be a preseason top 25. And, you know, who knows? They could play Michigan State. They could play Baylor. They could play – it's a good it's a good bunch of teams. So it's really unfortunate that he doesn't get to play in that. And, and so – that's a bummer. Second year in a row, Auburn's played a game like that. Gonzaga go back to last year where Sharif doesn't get to play. Um, and, and, and so he'll, he'll miss that. They're optimistic that he should be there for SEC play, which starts December 29th. The big question is 12 to 14 weeks. What does that mean exactly? Is it, is it 12 to 14 weeks of rehab and then he gets to practice? Is it, is it 12 to 14 weeks before he, he, He's totally cleared to go play a basketball game, meaning he could be practicing before then. I think that's just going to be a really kind of a wait and see thing. You know, I'd initially heard it was going to be middle of November. Then it kind of went to 12 to 14 weeks to December. So I'm wondering if they're being a little cautious in their timetable that they're releasing and that, you know, it's maybe closer to 12 or, or even 10 than, than the 14 but a lot of that's going to depend on Allen and, and the rehab and things like that. I mean, obviously when he comes back, he needs, he's going to need some time before the, before he gets up to speed. And so, you know, when, when he comes back and when that first SEC game starts, that's a, that's a big deal as well. But just what are your thoughts on the news, Jay, and, and how it impacts Auburn? Let's just start with, with Flanagan. What do you think of him as a player and, and how does it, how does it hurt um, Auburn? You know, I think you nailed it when you said, probably Auburn's most important player. Uh, even though there's players like Jabari Walker, even Katie and Wendell that you could argue might have some pro uh, aspects that are a little bit higher than Alan Flanagan, but he's a player who has experience in the system, experience playing and starting in the SEC, experience guarding the other team's best players, experience closing out games. You know, he's really done it all for Auburn. And he improved in so many categories last season, as you mentioned, that uh, he was going to contribute just about everywhere for Auburn. And um, I think he would have been an all-SEC candidate. Still might be if he gets back in time and he is healthy. But that 12 to 14 weeks really puts him at December around the UCF game. And, you know, like you said, is that going to be him coming 
and playing as a starter in that 12 to 14 weeks? Or is that just when he's going to get back into the gym and back into the practice court and stuff like that? But a massive blow for Auburn, no matter how you cut it. So what do we see happening um, without Flanagan? What's your first reaction in terms of, of the, the starting five? Cause I think that we're pretty safe in saying that we, 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 we think it will probably be Wendell Green at the point. And you have Walker at the five and Jabari at the four. And so I think those next two, I think that two and three spot, you know, would have been Alan Flanagan, would have been one. And then it would have just been, you know, who's in that next role? Is it, you know, whoever they're going to start kind of at that forward um, or, or put Flanagan at the three and somebody else at the two, whatever. So Flanagan being out, you still assume you have Wendell, Walker, and Jabari. I'd say in the mix, you've got Devin Cambridge, you've got Chris Moore, you've got Jalen Williams. Um, probably that one of those, you know, two of those three are, 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 are in that two, three spot. Katie Johnson, I'm sorry, as well. Uh-huh. So some, right. some kind of mix right there. How do, you, how do you maybe see it playing out as Auburn begins the season um, in terms of who that starting five, if we think Wendell, Jabari, and Walker in there, how do we see those next two spots sort of shaping out in your mind? I feel like there's kind of two arguments for it. You got one going off potential uh, and that you got, you could start Katie Johnson and Chris Moore kind of thing there. Both of those players have shown flashes in the sec of being solid players, solid contributors on both ends of the court. Uh, But you also have Devin Cambridge and Jalen Williams who can play the two and the three for Devin Cambridge and Jalen Williams can play some three if necessary. And those two guys, you know, they're trusted by Bruce Pearl, I'm sure. They've been around for a few years. They've both had big games, big moments. And I could really see it going either way. Um, Personally, if I was the coach and I was sending out a starting five tomorrow, I think I'd go with Wendell, Katie Johnson, Chris Moore, Devin Cambridge at the three spot, Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler. Um, But, you know, we had a discussion on the corner about, how Katie Johnson coming off the bench might make a lot of sense too, especially because he came off the bench every single game he played for Georgia did really well, scored almost 14 points a game. Maybe that's a role he thrives in. Yeah, it, it, it could very well be. And, and I think like, that's where I'm leaning right now. Obviously we still have a good bit of time before the season starts. I think there's a couple of things that come to mind. I think, I think, if we're talking about Devin at the Devin Cambridge at the two or Katie Johnson at the two, you know, Devin's been in the offense and been in the defense. So, I mean, there's no question. He knows what Bruce is going to want. He, he knows what needs to be done on both ends of the court. Um, and he's played more, more SEC basketball than Katie Johnson. So I think from that regard, he's got a leg up on KD. I think we all would agree. KD is a better prospect, um, certainly a better scorer. Um, Katie's built like a running back. If you see, if you ever see him, um, he's a really strong kid. Um, but I, I like the idea of bringing Katie off the bench because look, Katie is a, is, is a scorer. I mean, you talk about him, he's, he's off the bench scoring 14. So, so the guy just kind of, he can score. That's his thing, whether it's shooting or driving, he's just, he's a scorer. And I do wonder about Katie starting a game, with Walker and with Jabari, who who are going to be a massive part of what they do in terms of kicking, you know, 
screening and, and those guys getting open threes or, you know, or, or whatever it might be. Um, I, I think those guys are going to be such an important part of that offense um, that I wonder how Katie would fit in with them as starters. But I think the, I think the bigger issue is you take away Flanagan. It, let's say you start Katie Johnson and Walker and Jabari Wendell. And, and let's say you, you know, you start Chris Moore. That means off the bench, you've got Zepp Jasper at the one. You're bringing Stretch or Dylan down low. You're bringing Devin at the two. Um, without Flanagan, you're a little thin, so maybe Lior plays um, some as well. Who he's not a bad player, by the way. Um, you know, I I don't know what you know. He's not you know he's 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 not what Auburn you know he's not like a five-star or anything, but, but he is not a bad athlete and he's not a bad player. Um, but I think I would wonder what that second group would look like if you had Zepp and let's say you had Cardwell and let's say you had Lior and Devin Cambridge and Jalen Williams. Where's the scoring in that group? You know, that, yeah. that would not that you're just going to full on sub a five for five, but in general, you know, Jalen is a facilitator. He's not a, you know, I mean, he's not a straight scorer. I think that group would, we would be a little worrisome in terms of, as you sub guys in and out. So I, I like the idea of bringing KD off the bench right now without Flanagan, even keep him there because I think his scoring is going to be needed. Think, think about, you know, five, six minutes into the game, being able to then sub somebody in like KD who's a flat scorer um, and, is, and is fresh and ready to go. I think it will make the team better versus starting off with, with him in the, in the, starting, in the starting five. Um, so when we look at Flanagan out – do you miss his offense or his defense more? I mean, he's a 14 and a half point per game score. Um, I, I, I tweeted this and I've talked to some people that, that there are some national college basketball writers that had already reached out to Auburn to do stories on Alan Flanagan. Cause he was being considered as their choice for the sec player of the year. Um, that's what people thought of him and, and what he could be this year, but are you missing him on offense or defense more? Because the, the, the defense um, was not great last year, and it's something that we don't focus on enough at Auburn. You think about the three-point shooting. Defense is what really makes this team go to another level, and they weren't connected last year on, on defense. They were young, and, and, and they just they – did, they didn't do things really well. That's where I want to see the biggest jump in this team is defense. Alan Flanagan's a guy that could do that. He, he's long. He can rebound. He, he can disrupt. Um, so what, what are your what – what's your take on – Offense, defense, where does it hurt Auburn more without Flanagan? I think you can definitely make an argument for both, but the one that pops out to me immediately is defense, especially with some of the size limitations Auburn's backcourt might be dealing with this year because you got Wendell Green, Zeb Jasper, and KD Johnson. You know, assuming they're going to handle most of the minutes one through three with Devin Cambridge probably filling in there at the two and three as well. Um, but if it's those three, that's what maybe your tallest guy there, six two, six three, and you're playing in the SEC and against a bunch of these top twenty five caliber non conference teams as well, you're gonna be playing some big NBA caliber guards. And that's where Alan Flanagan has really shined on defense, manning up guys like Anthony Edwards and last year it was, you know, whoever was scoring the most, Alan Flanagan got them in an assignment somehow if it was a guard that he was capable of defending. So that's the spot that I'm, that I would worry about the most is who's going to defend that other team's best guard. Uh, 
luckily, I think you got Zeb Jasper, who was an all-conference def- uh, defensive player last season, and Katie Johnson's obviously built like a running back, and dude is athletic as they come, great defensive instincts. So there's some guys there who can do it, but I think you're going to have some size limitations either way. Yeah, that's kind of where I lean as well. I mean, I think Auburn still will have the style they play um, and the talent that is still there. There's still enough there to be good on offense and to to win games on offense. I mean, I'm I'm hesitant about Jabari and Walker just because the potential for them is so freaking high. Um, I'm just kind of like – just sort of like let's wait and see. But, I mean, potentially those guys are going to be – dang near unstoppable with with both of them on the court because of because of what Auburn's going to do. I mean, those guys are going to be playing. They're going to be down low, coming up and setting a screen, and then, and then staying outside. And then they're going to be setting a screen for each other. I mean, they're going to be doing things on the perimeter that whoever's guarding them is not going to have an, a clue what to do. Um, if, if they're – like if it's a true center for the other team, a true four and a five – they're going to be playing on the perimeter all the time, and they're not going to be used to, uh, come, you know, dealing with screens around the three-point line. And I mean, it's just it's just going to be a whole different world. Uh, and if you put somebody in there to deal with that, like if you put a six-six guy in there or whatever to deal with Jabari, well, then then you just then you just isolate with Jabari and who's six ten. So they're going to be a problem. Um, no no question about it. Everybody else has just sort of got to pick up the slack. I think defense is – that's the bigger question mark for me for this team. Not that they're not going to be good. I just kind of want to see it. I just want to sort of see them connect. Um, and so I think losing Flanagan on the defensive end, that, that's kind of maybe more of a bummer um, for, for, for this team than, than maybe, on, than maybe on, on offense. You know, because we don't know – you know, Wendell's a pretty good three-point shooter. He's a facilitator. So we're kind of curious to see how he gets his mojo with this team – because you've got guys that can score. I think Wendell's like – Wendell, I feel like, has a little bit of Sharif in him. Like, he can create anything. Oh, yeah. and, and, and there's enough ability there where he doesn't have to create everything. So, kind of curious to see how he sort of fits in um, in, 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 in using these guys and not feeling he has to, like he has to do everything. But I agree with you on Flanagan. I think he's a bigger loss on the defensive end. I will say, though, on offense, it's not like he's a – no loss type of player though. Like we talked about, he improved in so many categories last year, but on top of all that, he's kind of that consistent hand. A lot of times, even though he was playing out of position last year, he seemed to be assuming that role of late game situation. Okay. Give me the ball. I'm going to go get a bucket or I'm going to make this work. You know, the pull-up threes that he made and he missed some too. And the late game dunks that he had those, plays I do wonder who's going to fill in for that because you have Jabari you have Walker you have Wendell you have a bunch of guys capable of doing that but none of them have ever done it at the SEC level before none of them have ever had to or had the chance to I'm sure one of them can but it'll be interesting to see who does and if it takes a few losses before someone does yeah and it just it also takes out another guy who's been in the program out of the mix in a game I mean now you're looking at you know let's say they had 11 um, I mean, you're looking at like, you know, if they've got a good rotation of nine, five of them are coming back, four of them are new. So it's just one less guy that's been out there, been through the, been through the fire, been with Auburn and, and just makes it more imperative that those other guys, um, 
mesh and get what they're supposed to be doing. I think the other angle on this, this, the Flanagan injury is obviously when he does come back, what condition is he in? Cause it's not just, Oh, you know, he he's back in December and he we're in the rolling. Um, I mean, you got to remember when Sharif came back, it took a minute, like, okay, what is this team with this player? Now Flanagan's played a bunch of years. So I, I think, I think that there he'll be able to kind of get back into the mix easier. Um, it's not like Sharif where you're like, we've never played with this guy in a game. This is, you know, um, but it's still one, where does Flanagan's health at when he does come back and does he got to get in game shape? And like, when does he sort of, you know, become, can he just pick up right where he left off or, or, or does he come out? Cause Flanagan last year, if you remember, was a guy that when Sharif came back, it threw him off. Um, it, 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 there were games where he looked like himself and then there were games that he did it. Um, and I think that it, it really would have benefited him from the get-go to be with Jabari and Walker and these new guys and find his role because he's best when he's really aggressive and, and going. He, he's not when he – if he thinks he's just sort of a complimentary guy, I don't think he does as well because I think he settles for a three or whatever. When he's, when he's aggressive, he is dang near impossible to keep from getting to the basket. And so I, I think that could hurt him as well once he does come back is how long does it get to, for him to get back in the rhythm of things – and be aggressive and find his place with Jabari and Walker and Wendell and all these guys. So, you know, fortunately they've, you know, if he comes back best case scenario, you know, if he comes back like December one and goes that 12 weeks or something, you know, then he he'll have almost a month before sec play. Um, now that's only probably a handful of games and he will have missed the big games, but hopefully he can get three or four games under his belt before sec play. Um, because I mean, I, I think Kentucky's really early in SEC play. Um, there's some good games early, uh, in Kentucky you play once. And so I know they're early. Opening stretch um, just tough. Yeah. So I, I think, what, what do you think about that in terms of when he comes back and how the team can sort of, there's that period where they got to get up to speed. It's like, all right, now we got our full team. Now we got to hit the on-ramp. And then there's that period as well that you got to deal with. Yeah. I think getting them back December 1st would be big. Because, like you said, he would have missed the big games, but he'd kind of get some easy games to settle back into. Some that he probably wouldn't need to play more than, hopefully, wouldn't need to play more than twenty minutes a game, and and uh, just so that he can, you know, having some experience under his belt with the new team and being back in the weight room, getting back to absolutely back to one hundred percent before SEC play would be huge for Auburn, because then it's given them a well-rested player as well, and. Uh, you know, say what you want about the fresh legs meme kind of thing, but it's going to be a player who got to sit there and watch the team play, whose dad's a coach. You know, he might be able to gain something out of it. Maybe he gets a lot of stationary shooting in and improves his shot a little more and can come in and be a complimentary piece a little bit better too in those first couple of games and really ease his way back in and help the team. So it's not a completely bad thing in the sense that there's a way it can work to benefit everyone in the long run. And I say that also because I'm kind of excited to see what Chris Moore can do if he gets an expanded role. He had some really interesting stats that he put up last year that were just like, he's doing everything perfect out there, but he's only playing four minutes a game. So, uh, you know, Chris Moore, I think, could be an exciting silver lining in all of this too. I didn't think we'd get a chance to see him for a couple of years, but it's kind of seeming like we might. Yeah, Chris Moore is an interesting player. High energy guy, I like him. Positive, positive guy. Him and Katie Johnson um, bring the energy level and the positivity level up on that team tremendously. Those guys, 
Um, those guys are always joking around and, and, and always having fun. Um, so yeah, I agree with you on Chris Moore. No more scooters. Can we ban scooters? I know that's not possible because um, they all have scooters. I mean, heck, I mean, they just, it's not possible, but dang, man. Um, it's just crazy to, to, you know, you're trying to sit here and work, you know, Bruce Pearl's thinking I've got a team that is good enough to get to a final four. And then your best player is going to lo- lose two months. Well, he's going to miss the first month and a half, let's say of the season on a scooter accident. It's a bummer, man. It's a bummer, but I guess if you want to look at it on the bright side, it could have been worse. Achilles injury on his right leg could, could have been, could have been worse. Could have been gone for the season. Um, or, or who knows what. So still a lot to determine. I mean, we, he's in a cast, he's on one of those uh, roll around his legs, his leg is in a, it's wrapped and it's, it's elevated on one of those scooters that he can, now he's got a scooter, another scooter. Uh, let's hope he doesn't wreck on that one, but um, hopefully there's no setbacks. Hopefully it heals well. And, and then when, you know, the rehab goes well and when he gets an opportunity to start getting back on his feet, everything goes well. And there's no complications because that would obviously be a be a big problem just a bummer man two straight years you know Auburn's had to deal with their best player being out until conference play um you know this team's better than last year's team but um it's still it's still a a big loss the good thing is I guess the the you know the bright side the SEC is really good Auburn's non-conference schedule is going to be tough their strength of schedule probably at the end of the year will be, you know, probably in the top 25, I would think, something like that. So so I think Auburn's still going to have a lot of good credentials for the NCAA tournament that, you know, if, if they don't do as well in Atlantis because Flanagan's not there um, or or if, if he comes back but he's not up to speed and maybe they start slow in conference play, there's still plenty of opportunities for this team to, <clears throat> to win games and put themselves in position to be – you know, a five or a six or a seven seed in the tournament, even if they don't, you know, if they falter a little bit, if they don't falter, if, you know, if, if they, they can win some games even without him, this is a team that could be up, you know, I mean, they're good enough to be a three, four, five seed. Um, if not better, that's kind of where I feel like they are. Um, but anyway, I'm just saying the schedule non-conference and conference is good enough where, you know, barring a disastrous season, if they go out and, and, and win games, even if they have lose maybe – let's say maybe they lose three, four games that they shouldn't have, they'll still make the tournament. They just need to be good yeah, at, I agree. you know, midway through at the end. And it's not the kind of non-conference schedule where every single game is going to be an absolute grind without Flanagan. There should be plenty of games in there that Auburn can maybe not breeze through but can win while – getting these new guys acclimated to their system. Um, games like that UCF game, hopefully last year it was a, dista- a disaster. Oh in Auburn's end, but, Can we beat them in something? Yeah, please. Man. But uh, there's a bunch of those mid-major games in there that are good, solid mid-major programs that Auburn should have talent and athleticism to beat by 10 points and get some guys some good experience. So I, I, and that's what I was kind of leaning towards. I don't think, I think that could be a, a good learning curve uh, for the young guys and the new guys as, while not having Flanagan to lean on in those situations. To that's true. That's true. I mean, that's see true. See what they could do. Yeah. I mean, Devin, do more. You know, Chris Moore, do more. Uh, Katie Johnson, do more. I mean, the, those those three and, and Jalen, too. I mean, those four guys are going to get more minutes because Flanagan would have been mixed in there somewhere. You know, Moore and Williams are forwards, but Flanagan's as tall as they are, basically. I mean – 
So, <clears throat> but, but Devin, and I think you're looking at Devin and Chris Moore probably are the big winners here. Um, you know, obviously yeah, not they're... winning, not winning, <laughs> you know, they'd rather Flanagan be healthy. Oh yeah. Um, but, but yes, it's a fair point, fair point in terms of maybe a couple of guys getting um, a little bit more playing time and we know what Flanagan can do. So maybe when he comes back, Devin's better than he would have been. Chris Moore is better than he would have been. That's, that's, that's certainly possible. That's a fair analysis. I think you got to at least hope for that as a fan and play for that as a player and a coach. No, I think that's, I think that's a good, that's a good point. Obviously you, you know, you wish everybody was healthy, but it could be turned into just building a little bit of depth. Who knows? Even Lior, you know, even he plays a little bit more and, and, and becomes a guy that's like, Hey, worst case scenario, we feel like we can put him in for two, three minutes and he'll, he'll be okay. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's definitely positives that could come from a depth standpoint. Well, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see um, how that unfolds. Auburn basketball gets going in November, and um, and then real quickly that that week of the Iron Bowl they play in Atlanta. So what a what a uh, Atlantis! What a what a busy week they'll be playing um, a massive basketball tournament, and then the Iron Bowl in the same week. And then, gosh, you know, just a few weeks later, they'll be in Atlanta playing Nebraska. And, and so hopefully there's a lot of Auburn fans at that game as as well. Man, Jay, appreciate you joining us. Tell, tell people a little bit about kind of what you're going to bring to the table at Auburn Live in terms of, uh, of analysis. What can they look forward to? Uh, yeah, I'm going to be bringing, you know, one of the things I'm really excited to do is start doing my player breakdowns and stuff like that. I think we're going to be doing a lot of that this offseason. There's so many new faces on the roster that we're going to, I'm going to run through everybody, all the new players and go real in depth about what they've done at their last stop and what I think will transition well to what they bring to Auburn. And that's going to be something that you see from me year in, year out, uh, commits, transfers, any type of new player. I'd love to break them down and, you know, kind of be the first person to have a guess on who they are and what they're going to bring specifically to Bruce Pearl's system. And I'll also be doing some stuff on schedules and, you know, anything that I can get in depth and looking at games that are played, breaking down the game, what I like, what I didn't like, what needs to improve. Anything that just goes that takes that extra step. I love looking into Auburn basketball. I love reading the stats. I love watching film and you'll get to see all my ramblings from what I learned from it. Yeah, man. Well, we're glad to have you as a part of the team. As an Auburn Live basketball analyst. So now that we know that you basketball is your sport, what will the football team's record be? Can I just guess eight and four? Well, I mean you can, yeah. That's that's a safe <laughs> way to that's a safe way to go. I feel like that's kind of where everybody settles. Um, we'll see. That Penn State game will kinda will kind of tell us what direction they're going. Um, so we'll see how that goes. After Man, game one, I'm just Oh, yeah, you're good. I, my bad. After game one, I'm just excited to watch some more Tank Bixby. Dude, man, he's exciting. He is so exciting. He, I, I, I said last year after the very first game I watched, um, I don't know if I was the first one to say it, but I certainly tweeted it, and it became a popular thing to, to do in the weeks coming. But um, he, he absolutely reminded me of Carnell Williams um, in, in the way that he ran as a true freshman, which is reckless, hard to tackle, so much energy. I mean, he's the he's the closest thing to Carnell since Carnell. Um, and in in my lifetime of watching Auburn football, he he and Carnell, in terms of how they run, there's no. I mean, Brad Lester had a little bit of that in him, but he was smaller. Um, 
but but he ran crazy hard and, and reckless um, in 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 that way. Um, but man, he, he he's electric. Tank's electric. Now he's over he's over two hundred pounds. He's he's I think the best the best back in the league. I mean him and Zamir White. But it'd be hard to turn down Tank Bigsby if you were picking a running back. I mean that guy is oh yeah um, a, a monster. So we'll. We'll see how it goes. Auburn plays Alabama State this weekend. Should be an easy win before they go to Happy Valley and a classic, classic matchup that will be on ABC. Jay, thank you so much for joining us, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate everybody listening in. We'll be back with Auburn Live on Thursday uh, as this week rolls on. Hopefully no more bad news. Hopefully only good news. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.